Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. This week we're going to move forward in the sermon that we started last week. I prayed about uh, preaching uh, about sacrifice and, and uh, freedom and, and all those things, what God would want us to do. And I really felt like that this is what we needed to do, uh, what God wanted us to do. And so um, that's what we're going to do. Uh, so last week we, we had the life point that I thought was such a great reminder for us uh, as Christians today. Uh, a life point for us to hold on to and live by. And uh, we saw that Joseph was a servant and he became the supplier uh, to everybody in need. And as he was that in the Old Testament, we see that today Jesus, the, the life point was Jesus, the servant is the supplier. We saw that Joseph was a prisoner and he became a prince. Uh, we saw not only the, the encouragement and the truth that we can find our spiritual needs met only in Jesus Christ alone, but we saw some humbling reality, some humble, humbling truth for us as the people of God uh, that we too have been taken from being slaves to sin, being prisoners, to being suppliers, to being sowers of the seed, sowers of the gospel uh, in this world in, in need. And so not only that, we've been taken to, from, from the, the slaves to sin to suppliers and sowers, but we've been taken from prisoners ourselves, prisoners to the flesh, prisoners to sin, to also princes, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Just an amazing encouragement and amazing truth uh, for us to, to stand on. Uh, we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ. And if you've done that, we know that we've been given this place as privilege, as sons and daughters of the, the, the eternal God, the, the God of all creation. I think about that. I think about the, the, the privilege it is to be a, a son, for you ladies to be a daughter of the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Uh, and, and, and it's not by anything that was earned, not by anything that was deserved. It was given as a gift of grace uh, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Again, all because of his grace, all because he made the way for us to be those sons and daughters through the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection uh, from the dead. But in our text, we saw that Joseph's uh, brothers had sold him. They were the source. They were the ones that sold him into slavery. They're the ones that gave him over to the hands of his, who would be his taskmasters eventually uh, there in Egypt. Uh, but they had now gone to Egypt by the directive of their father, said, hey, why are you standing around looking at each other when they've got grain, when they've got corn over in Egypt? Go over there and get us some food. Uh, and again, they had no idea that Joseph, the brother who they sold, was the governor or the prince over all of Egypt. And I just want to read those verses that, that kind of highlight that. In verse uh, chapter 42, when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, said to his sons, why do you look upon each other? Why stand around looking at each other? And he said, behold, I've heard that there's corn in Egypt. Get down and buy for us thence that we may live and not die. Joseph's ten brothers went down to buy corn, but again, we saw that he held back Benjamin because Benjamin and Joseph were from Rachel, and he was not, he was not going to chance the other son from Rachel, uh, Benjamin, uh, to be lost as well as Joseph was. So they go down there, in verse 6, Joseph was the governor of all the land, 
And it was, uh, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land, and Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. Let's pray, and, and we'll go forward. Father, thank you so much for this time. Again, thank you for what we've already experienced. God, just the, the thoughts and the songs, the, the words themselves that we've already been able to lift up in, in the form of song to you and in, in the form of praise, worship. God, that you are so good. Uh, that you are our, our mighty, our strong tower. You are our safe refuge, Lord. You are uh, the rock of our salvation. Um, you, you are everything to us, and uh, we, we worship you alone. You're the only one that's worthy of worship. And we're thankful for the freedoms that we have, that we can gather here to do that, Lord, to, uh, to lift up songs, to, to be loud with our voices, to play loudly with, with our instruments as we, as we see in the Psalms. God, you deserve every bit of, of praise um, that we could ever utter and so much more. Lord, we pray that uh, you continue to move in this place. God, we have been praying that your presence would be uh, manifested here today. God, that you alone would be exalted, that you alone would be focused on, you alone would be the one that speaks and is heard. And so I pray for myself now that uh, you would just set me aside. Um, Lord, that you would only do uh, what you want done right now. Lord, that you would only speak what needs to be spoken. Just again, use me as a vessel, and uh, Lord, have your will. There's somebody here today, God, that has never experienced the freedom that comes only through placing faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that they would experience that today, and um, Lord, we'll praise you for that. Lord, again, we thank you for the many sacrifices that have been made, men and women, throughout the years of this, uh, the, the, the centuries of this country. Uh, that you have used to provide and preserve our freedoms. And uh, Lord, help us not take them for granted. This is the greatest that we have to be able to freely worship you, freely gather and assemble in your name. And we're thankful for it, God. And I pray that you just bless now, and we'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first uh, life point that we had last week that we already talked about, Jesus the servant uh, is the supplier. Uh, had to do with the first part of verse 6. The second uh, life point, that, uh, the, the point that we're going to look at this morning, has to do with the last part. And so the last part of uh, cha chapter 42, verse 6, it says, And Joseph's brethren came, bowed, th bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And if you look at those words, they bowed themselves before him. I, I think in our, in our human fleshly nature, if, if somebody were to do this to us, we would probably say, yeah. They got, what they, they got back what they deserved. They, they are now on their face, eating crow, you know, uh, bowing themselves before Joseph. That's what they deserve. Again, in the flesh, that's maybe what our thoughts would be. And maybe some of you, maybe some of us have had those thoughts when we've seen something happen to somebody that we thought deserved to get what they had coming to them. Come on. Amen? Amen? Yeah pretty quiet. No, never, never thought anything like that, that somebody got what they had deserved coming to them. But again, we may look at that in the flesh like that. Um, but I, I want to look at what they're, what they're doing now versus what we saw them doing uh, whenever Joseph revealed the dreams that God had given to him uh, back in chapter 37. And so the last time that they were together, this is the circumstance, right? Last time these brothers were together, was when they sold him into slavery. 
But before they sold him into slavery, he tells them the dreams. And we, we already went through this, but I just want to remind us in chapter 37, verse 5, Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it to his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. He said unto them, Here, I pray you this dream which I've dreamed. Listen to me. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. Lo, my sheaf arose, arose and also uh, stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. In other words, they bowed, bowed down and gave reverence and respect to mine. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? You're the little brother, okay? <laughs> Who do you think that you are? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and he told it to his brethren, and said, Behold, I've dreamed a dream more. I've dreamed another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon, eleven stars, made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? What, what are you doing? Why are you sharing this? Why are you, what, what, what do you think about all this? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come bow down, bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, and his father observed the same. There's something very shocking about that, that, that um, experience there. The, the father was obviously taken back a little bit. You think that, I mean, that's not how our culture works. You, the, the, the sons reverence the father. The son served. That, that's not the way it works. And you're saying that I'm going to come and I'm going to bow down to you and your brothers also, your older brothers who they come first. They're going to do this. Back in uh, the, the sermon, I think it's sermon 27, uh, when we were going through this text in chapter 37, we saw something crucial. We saw that when Joseph revealed the dream, some of the things that, that in, in the life points that we saw is that his brothers could have responded differently than they actually did. They had an opportunity. If you, if you were here and you remember that sermon, they, they had the opportunity. It was there before them. They could have chosen something else, but what they chose was hate. The Bible says that in Scripture, that that's what they chose. Their hate, their jealousy, as the, we just saw there, their envy, their strife, their division, their spite, their dissension. And we could keep going with the feelings that they had towards their little brother. It did something to them. Amen. It robbed them. Their strife, their hatred, their jealousy, their envy, their dissension, their division, all these things, it robbed them. They thought they were robbing Joseph of this privilege. They thought that they were robbing Joseph of, of this favor that he apparently had in his life. You know, you know what? You think you're somebody. You think that you're dreaming these dreams. You're favorite of the Father. You've got this coat of many colors. You know what? We're going to take all that away from you. You're, we're going to take away from you. They thought that they were robbing him of something by acting in their hate. But because they acted in their hate and in those fleshly characteristics, they actually robbed themselves. They robbed themselves. Think about this. Maybe they would have missed the famine had they not sold Joseph into slavery. If God's hand was on him, if, if God had chosen to, to use him and, and God was revealing things to Joseph and that's what God had chosen in his sovereignty, then maybe they would have missed the famine. Again, these are just speculations. These are just us uh, as humans, wondering about what if maybe blessing and, and, and favor would have rested on them through their love and through their humility before God. Maybe God would have said, you know what, I, I'm going to preserve your entire family through this. 
Again, what ifs, you can do that all day long, but what we do know is what Scripture says. We know that God had gone before and he had made a way, even in revealing these dreams to Joseph and sharing them with his brothers, we know that God had gone before, knowing what the brothers would do, knowing what their choices would be, and his plan included even the brothers' evil actions. His plan included even the, the, the brothers' evil motives. As a side note, so it is with our lives. See, the reality is God's plan is good, period. His plan is perfect, period. And so when we look at the evil in this world, we look at even the bad choices we make. We even look at the sinful choices we make. We even look at the times that we act in hatred. Guess what? God has a plan that still remains from all of eternity. You say, so it doesn't matter what I choose? No, no, no. We obviously see it matters what we choose. Because the brothers chose wrong, God still worked it out to accomplish his plan. But what happened to the brothers? I just said it. It robbed them. And so when we make the choices, when we make those sinful, evil, hatred-filled, jealousy, envy-filled, fleshly-directed choices in our life, it robs us as well. Again, God's, choice, God's plan is still good even through the evil choices of others. Sometimes we look at the bad things that are happening. We were just talking about that in this, this, uh, the new members class this morning. The, the tragic incident of the little girl being taken from uh, her mom right off the street. You say, man, how is that right? How, I mean, if God is in control and, and, and uh, the lady this morning said, I know God was with that little girl. God, you know, you say, yeah, but what about the instances where it doesn't turn out good? God is still good. God, God didn't choose that evil. The Bible says that there's evil in this world, there's sin in this world because the sin of Adam. Death passed upon all men because of sin. All men have sinned. That's the reason why we have any type of negativity, any type of disease, any type of sickness, any type of death, any type of evil in this world is because the Bible says that it is entered into the bloodstream of mankind through that first first decision. But the brothers made a choice. They had an option not to be filled with jealousy. They had an option not to be filled with hate. It was there before them. They could have chosen something else, but they didn't. They could have exercised what we looked at Wednesday night. We looked at self-control Wednesday night as as a mark of maturity. They could have chosen to have some self-control. They could have said, you know what, we're feeling these really bad feelings. We're having these really bad thoughts. And we're thinking about acting on them, but we're going to exercise self-control. And we're going to do what's right, regardless of how we feel. They could have acted on those fleshly emotions. They could have acted on their fleshly desired. And that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly what robbed them. That's what caused them to suffer what they suffered. But in the moment, in that moment that they were acting in their hatred, in that moment they were acting in their flesh, in that moment that they were acting in that jealousy and that envy, in that moment, it fulfilled them. It satisfied them. Their flesh had a craving. Their flesh had a craving to stop the blessings that were going on in Joseph's life. Their flesh had a desire 
to, to, to despise and to, to snuff out everything that was going good in Joseph's life. Their flesh had that, and when they acted on those desires, their flesh in that moment was satisfied. They thought, yes, woo, got done with that, that, that kid. Sick of him, so tired of that kid, so tired of him always talking about you know, and so tired of dad always talking about how amazing Joseph is and his stinking, you know, coat of many colors. They felt good. But again, it's, the truth is, by choosing hate instead of love, it cost them more than they had estimated it would cost them. They chose to please the flesh and it robbed them. And so our life point this morning is this. Choosing the flesh will gratify your now. Choosing the flesh will gratify your now, but it will grab your later. It'll grab your later. And in the moment, it will feel good. We talked about this. We talked about this Wednesday night, right? We talked about what? Ice cream and kale. Yeah. Somebody told me, Brother Joe told me that he was at ice cream. I don't know if he's pulling my leg or not, but he was telling me that, that it was real. Somebody ordered kale ice cream? Tried to. They didn't go to our church? That's crazy. <laughs> Wednesday night, I get a text from Brother Joe that they were at an ice cream shop getting ice cream because they were acting in the flesh. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm, just, <laughs> no, I'm just playing. That uh, somebody tried to order kale-infused ice cream. That, that's a message from God right there. Like, hey, you better be listening to that. <laughs> Because that was not in my notes, by the way. Uh, some of you know, uh, were here. I had nothing about ice cream or kale in my notes. That was definitely just the Lord saying that. But we talked about how uh, giving into the flesh is like ice cream. It's just good. It is just better than kale. If somebody puts a, puts a bowl of kale out there or a bowl of ice cream, to me, it's an easy decision. In the moment. In the moment, no problem. Bluebell cookies and cream ice cream. <laughs> or, or a bowl of dried kale. Mm. In the moment, that's so easy. But if, if I think about the choice I need to make and the, and, and the right thing to do and the better thing to do and the, the better in the long run thing to do, it's always kale. It's ice cream. It's still ice cream. <laughs> but I talked about the, the ice cream being like the flesh, right? Because... Um, it, it is just, it, it, it is so good. That's what happens whenever we want to do what our flesh wants to do. It just feels gratifying right now. It, no matter what it is, if it's covetousness or hate or lust or, or whatever, in the moment, the, the, the flesh is saying, just eat the ice cream. The cookies are perfect in the cream. It is, it is amazing. Eat the ice cream. You'll feel so much better after the ice cream. That's, that's what it is whenever our flesh is pulling us to do something that we shouldn't do. To obey the Spirit in these fleshly bodies is, is like trying to eat just kale. It, it, it's it's kind of like, ugh. I, I really want to ice I really want to fulfill my lust. I really want to, you know, fulfill this covetousness. I really want to fulfill this greed. I really want to act on this hate. I really want to act on this. That, that's, it just is gratifying right now. But the, the Spirit says, don't do that. That's not right. It doesn't honor God. It's going to cost you more. And so to eat the kale, to do what's right in the Spirit in, the, in, in that moment, it just is kind of like, ugh. 
to the flesh. But when you eat it and you choose the right thing time after time, the benefits begin to show themselves very clearly in every aspect of your life. That's the truth. Again, one thing is absolutely more pleasing to the taste than the other. The other isn't as fun to eat as the other. But again, in the long run, it's very clear what's the better choice. The brothers chose to please their flesh. They thought that they, were, they had fixed the problem. They were gratified in the now, the, in the moment. But guess what came later? The famine. The famine came. And guess what else came? A big bowl of humble pie. Because now they're bowing at the feet of the brother that they disdained, just as the dream had foretold. Their flesh had deceived them. Their heart had deceived them, which the Bible says the heart is deceitful. It's wicked. It, 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 no one can know. I mean, it, it, we say, well, I just feel like this. Listen, don't go off your feelings. Go off of truth. Some people even think that about even in the church. Well, I just feel like don't go off a of feel. What does the Bible say? Let's be the church. Let's go off of God's word. But we do that in our lives where I just feel, you know, I don't know. I just want, no, listen, don't go off of your feelings because, again, that's what the brothers did. They thought it was going to fix their problem if they thought it would be better. So they, they thought in that moment, this is what we're going to do. And by doing that, thought they were ridding themselves of their trouble, ridding themselves of their problem, doing what seemed right to them, what felt good to them, satisfying their fleshly ap appetite. Their hatred fueled their decisions. And again, it satisfied that hunger in that moment. I'm sure they felt freed. I'm sure that as soon as they acted on that hatred, and as soon as Joseph was out of the picture, and as soon as they didn't have to watch, look at that stinking coat of many colors day after day, I'm sure that the, as soon as they could, what's that? Oh, that's right. That's not dad talking about Joseph all the time. You know, when they, when they had that, that freedom, I'm sure they felt liberated. But the truth of the matter is this. Because of their choices, they had further enslaved themselves. Because hate does enslave. Hate enslaves. It holds you in bondage. For you this morning, maybe it is hatred. Maybe there's some malice in your heart. Maybe there's some disdain. Maybe there's some, some division. Maybe there's some, something else. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's jealousy, envy, covetousness, unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. Maybe it's something like that, and, and, and again... You know in your life right now that's how you're acting. You're making decisions. You're saying things. And it's those things that are in your heart. These things are unhealthy. They may taste good, like ice cream, but it's not good for you. They may be satisfying your now. It may make your flesh feel good right now. But they're robbing you. And it's going to rob you later. It's going to cost you. Because these fleshly things, they don't pay off other than further bondage. For the children of God, 
The Bible tells us that hatred and bitterness and resentment, anger, sinful anger, ill will, they're all uncharacteristic of the born again. If you've been born again, these things shouldn't be in our life. 1 Peter chapter 2, so put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. That means like gossip and talking bad about people. It says, like newborn infants, what you need to do is long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. So don't have a hunger to satisfy the fleshly pools that you experience in these fleshly bodies. But the spiritual desires that you have inside should be fed. Should be fed. A healthy spiritual diet of truth is what is truly going to satisfy you if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you've been born again, what satisfies you truly is a healthy diet, a regular diet of truth. Another side note, some people have tasted the things of God, but have never tasted the goodness of Him. I'm going to say that again. There's some people that have tasted the goodness of the things of God, but have never tasted Him, the good that is Him. You say, what? In other words, they've been a part of seeing blessings of God, maybe even in their own life. They've, they've seen the, the relationships, even among the, the people of God. They maybe even experienced the physical blessings and even experienced some of the spiritual blessings that come around the people of God. Maybe they've even heard the truths, the spiritual truths of, of God's word. They have, they have been a part of these things, but the truth in their life is they've never truly surrendered wholeheartedly, never been consumed by him never consumed christ holy therefore they've never been ultimately changed by him maybe that's you maybe you've been to church maybe you've formed connections maybe you've been the one that says i've been burned by church i've been burned by that maybe you maybe say you know what i i don't serve in this ministry because because of this or or whatever and and, and but you know in your life you've never fully surrendered your life to christ The Bible says that if any man's in Christ in 2 Corinthians 5, he's a new creature. Old things are past, and it says it's evident. Behold, all things have become new. Completely changed. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 says this, Therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Listen, the, the, well, the writer of Hebrews had been talking about some things and he says, let's, let's, let's move on to a little bit more mature things. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from uh, dead works uh, and faith of, uh, toward God. And of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, resur resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. We're going to move forward. For, and here's, here's what he says. For it's impossible. In the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have heard the truth, who know about these things, and have tasted the, of the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit. Doesn't say that they have, they, they, they're, the Holy Spirit possesses them or they possess the Holy Spirit. Have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come. They've been a part of these things. And listen to what it says in verse 6. And then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they're crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him in contempt for the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it and produces a crop useful to those for whose sake it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it's worthless and 
near to being cursed, and this end is to be burned. Wow. Writers writing to the Hebrews who are coming from a, a completely different uh, perspective of their relationship with God that, that we have right now, they, they, they thought, like many people even today think, that you have to work to be saved. You have to be good enough to be accepted to God, with God. You have to be right enough to be able to go to heaven, which is an erroneous doctrine. And what, what the writer was saying is, there's some people who have heard the truth. There's some people that have been, been exposed and been a part of the things of God and have been around, but they've never been changed by the Holy Spirit. They've, they, they've, they've, they've been, what was the word you're saying? They have shared in the Holy Spirit. They have, they've been a part of these things. They've seen him work in people's lives. They've even seen him work around their lives, but he's never transformed their life. He says those people that have been a part of all this stuff, when they fall away, it's impossible to restore them. One of the, one of the things that it's, it's been said for a long time is uh, a person who's religious, a person who's gone to church, a person who's heard the truth are some of the hardest people to win to the Lord because they already know so much, but they've never surrendered their life. It's hard, hard for them to get to that place where they will admit, I've been playing a game. I've I just said a prayer. I didn't surrender my life. I've told everybody my whole life that I was a Christian. But he's never had me. I'm concerned that many professing Christians are not Christians indeed. I said professing, not possessing. I'm concerned there's a lot of people that say they're following Christ. They simply have tasted and not consumed. See, Jesus said in John 6, Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life, he said. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone, listen to what he says, eats of this bread, not just taste of it, but eats of it, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the, for the life of the world is my flesh. Verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves, how, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? We're not cannibals. <laughs> Verse 53, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Think about how that blew their minds, right? Because they're thinking physically, we're not going to eat your flesh and drink your blood. That's forbidden in the law. We're not going to do that. You're weird. Stop saying these things. He says this, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks, on, drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. Listen, and I in him, as the living Father sent me, and, uh, and I live because of the Father, so whosoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread your fathers ate and died. Whoso, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Back to the life point that, that, that we saw, the brothers acted in hate and, it, and enslaved them. It, had, it, it trapped them. And so does acting in the flesh in any way for us today as God's people. It, it doesn't mean that, you say, well, if I act in the flesh, that means I'm not saved. I didn't say that at all. 
What I'm saying is there's a lot of people that think they're saved because they've gone to church, because they said a prayer, because they, they've experienced the things of God, but they've never been possessed by the Holy Spirit. In other words, they've never been filled by the Holy Spirit, never been changed by the Holy Spirit, never have abided in Christ. Christ doesn't abide in them. They haven't been consumed. They haven't surrendered their all to Jesus Christ. That's what he said when he said, whoever believes in me. That word believe, that's what it means. It's an absolute confidence, absolute surrender. It's not like a tooth fairy belief. It's not like anything else. It's an absolute life-surrendering trust in Jesus Christ. And that's what he said. He said, if you, if you eat this flesh and drink this, that's what he's talking about, an all-consuming relationship. But just because we've been saved, just because we've been transformed, doesn't mean that we don't struggle with the flesh. The, 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 the scripture's clear on that. We're, we're given charges and commands. We're given uh, choices and options in, in the scripture to listen to what the spirit inside of us is telling us or to give into the flesh that's trying to pull us away from that. Similar to forgiveness, forgiving doesn't condone the wrong in somebody else's life. It frees the forgiver. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we're not supposed to let corrupt talk come out of our mouth. We're not supposed to grieve the Holy Spirit, verse 30. We're not to allow bitterness and anger and wrath and clamor and any of those things to be in our life, but they'll be put away from us. And we're supposed to be kind to each other. We're supposed to forgive as we've been forgiven. Colossians 3 says that we're supposed to put to, get, to put to death whatever is earthly. Whatever we can recognize that's earthly in us, we're supposed to put to death. He lists it. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. idolatry. On the account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. You used to live like that. But now you must put them all away. It's a choice you make. They, not, they don't have a place in my life anymore. I will not act on them anymore. I'm not going to be directed by the flesh, the things that still want to pull me away from the things of God. It's a choice. See, if, you've not, if you're not in Christ, if he's not in you, you don't have a choice. All you can do is sin. But if you're in Christ, you can make these decisions. These must be put away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obeisance talk, obeisance talk from your mouth. And then don't lie to one another, seeing that you put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the crea uh, image of its creator. Remember, hatred enslaves and love frees. It's also vitally important, as I get ready to close, to remember that it's never okay to do what that flesh wants to do. We know it enslaves, we know it gratifies our now, but it'll grab our later. But just let this resonate. It's never okay to do what the flesh wants to do. Why? Because the Bible says it's contrary to the Spirit of God. It's contrary. It goes against the Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that. In verse 17 it says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. And then look at these words. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. If you've been born again, if you've been transformed, if all things are new and the old is gone, if you are a new person in Christ, then you delight after the things of God in the inner man. Just as Paul said in Romans chapter 7. You want to do what pleases God. When you hear the word of God, the spirit of God says, yes, do that. Even though your flesh says, no, don't do that. Do this. It'll feel better. 
we see that they're contrary to each other. The scripture says that they, they're, they're, they're battling against each other and the flesh's intent is to keep us from doing the things that would please the Lord. The flesh has desires. The desires of the flesh are rooted in the old nature. The old nature is a sinful nature. The old nature was enslaved to sin. And so to give in to the old nature, to give in to the flesh, is to go back to serve the master that we've been freed from. The Spirit has desires, and those desires of the Spirit are rooted in the divine nature, the nature of God. Free to obey, free to follow God's directives, and today it's a choice we have. We have to, we have to remember that the flesh it is gratifying right now, but it is going to grab the later. It's going to cost us. We have choices. Romans chapter 6 tells us we have choices. I'm not going to read it this morning, but I encourage you to read it. It says in verse 13 that we can present our bodies either as an instrument to God for righteousness or an instrument to unrighteousness to sin again. It's a choice. It's a charge as well. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us, again, there are desires we have that are sinful. We all have this battle with the flesh. We all, we all have the temptations in the flesh. All of us. We all are in physical bodies. But we have to make the decision to reject the flesh's pull. The, the brothers of Joseph, Joseph, they really paid a high price because they acted in those, those pulls. They acted in those desires. In that moment, those wicked, sinful, hatred, envious desires pulled them, and it cost them because they gave into it. We may not see what it cost us in the moment. The brothers didn't see that. They didn't, they didn't see what it was going to cost them, an entire famine, bowing down before their brother. They didn't see all of that. All they saw in the moment was relieving the problem they had. Same thing for us. You may not see what it's going to cost you by acting in the flesh, but just know it's going to cost you. Let's learn the lesson that it's better to walk in the Spirit. It's better to obey the Lord. It's better to follow His truth and His Word not grieving the Spirit, not quenching the Spirit. And by doing that, benefiting from the blessing of God. We can either humble ourselves before God right now, or we can be humbled through our circumstances. The brothers were humbled. Let's choose today, this morning, that we are going to walk in the Spirit. Will you do that? Will you make that determination? Will you say, you know what? We can do this. As, as, as a group of followers of Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in us, we are going to choose to give into the Spirit and not give into our flesh. Because we know that the kale is better than the ice cream. It doesn't taste better. It's not gratifying in the moment. But it's better than the ice cream. Three steps and I'm done. I shared on Wednesday night. You say, man, I'm struggling, Brother Kyle. I'm struggling in my flesh. This has a pull on me. 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 What do I do? I feel like all I do is act in the flesh. But inside, I'm convicted all the time, and I don't want to do that. I feel like I, I, I'm, I'm in this battle, and, and I don't want to do the flesh. I don't want to do what the flesh is doing. So three things that you can do. Again, I shared on Wednesday night. It's the same things. The first thing you can do is admit that you're struggling to God. The Bible says, confess your sins. He's faithful and just. Repent. Admit you're struggling and you need his help. 
If, if we'll just be honest with God, he already knows we're having a struggle. He already knows you're struggling there. Talk to him. Tell him, God, you know I'm struggling. I need your help. But then it, the next step is so important, and it's abide. Abide. Abide in his word. Abide in prayer with him. You've got to have right fellowship with God so that you can have that right foundation to do the third step. You've got to come from a right place to be able to apply. It's about making a choice. We've been given the freedom to choose either to obey the, the word of God, to obey the spirit, or to listen to our flesh. But you've got to first abide, come from the right place before you can apply. So maybe you can do that this morning if that's you struggling. Maybe you want to do that in your seat. Maybe you do this at the altar. Maybe you do it when you, when, when you get some time privately. But just remember, gratifying the flesh is going gonna, gonna to happen right now, but it'll grab you later. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this message and the reminder and the charge, the challenge. God, we all battle with the flesh, every person in here, all of your children. We, we struggle. If the Apostle Paul would, would admit to having that, that battle, and would even be inspired by you to write down that that's a reality, then we know that all of us in here struggle. Lord, help us to do what's necessary so that we can make the decision to give into the Spirit and not give into the flesh. Lord, if, again, there's somebody here this morning that maybe as we're talking about having a sincere relationship with you, maybe they have maybe thought praying a prayer or being in church or trying to be a good person was enough. Maybe they realize that it's not. I pray that if they're in that position, they'll come this morning and say, I, I need a real relationship with the Lord. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to play games. I don't want to chance it. I want to know for sure that I'll be in eternity with him. Lord, I pray that you just move on this morning. Move in this invitation, and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.